Everyone bring your umbrellas. It's raining squids. Welcome back to the Watchmen Podcast. Today we're going to recap and review episode 5 of the HBO limited series Watchmen, entitled A Little Fear of Lightning. Directed by Steph Green and written by Damon Lindelof and Carly Rae. I'm James, and joined as always with me is my co-host Ryan. Hi, my name is Ryan. I'm James's co-host, and I'm here talking to you guys uh, at the fifth episode of Watchmen. More than halfway through. Sad emoji, excited emoji, heart, heart, heart. Right, except as we all know, this whole limited series thing is just a ruse, and once it's over, they're going to be like, psych, <laughs> we've renewed it for five seasons. I mean, that would be wonderful, because so far, I very much like this mini-series, which is what I'm calling it now. I have stopped calling it a TV show, because TV show uh, insinuates that it will keep going, it gets my hopes up, and it makes me sad. So, this mini-series is great. Okay, so we don't all have to feel bad about the show Firefly. It was just a mini-series, guys. Mm, no. No, we have to feel bad about the show Firefly. We do. Bring Firefly back, please. The director of this episode, Steph Green... She's directed a few films and as well uh, the episodes of some famous TV shows like The Americans and American Crime Story, Luke Cage, Man in the High Castle. I like all those shows. And she's developing a reboot of The L Word, which could be interesting. We have a woman at the directing helm and also a prolific writer who is also a woman writing with Damon Lindelof in Carly Rae. Carly Ray is one of the human beings who was given the chance to make a Game of Thrones spinoff, although sadly it did not work out. She also wrote three episodes of Westworld, including Kixia, which people say a lot of the time is the best episode of Westworld that was made. She's written on Mindhunter. She's also written on The Leftovers and was a staff writer on Mad Men. So she's just continuously murdering it. Yeah, she's, she's the only works on good shows, apparently. She's been a producer on The Leftovers, and then Westworld, and then Watchmen. So, it's insane, actually. And I wonder if she'll be on, or if she wrote for Westworld Season 3. That's something I should know. I don't, so I'm wondering. This episode opens up with a flashback to 1985, of course, when the original Watchmen story took place with a group of Jehovah's Witnesses stepping off of a bus into a fairground where they're going to witness to the dirty sinners who are, I don't know, throwing darts at balloons. The fairgrounds where debauchery occurs in 1985 Hoboken, apparently. It took me too long to figure out that this was Looking Glass. Like, I knew from last week, watching the Next on Watchmen, that this was going to be a Looking Glass episode. And then halfway through, I was like, oh, man, I think this is young Timothy Blake Nelson. What's he doing with that lady? Right. He runs into some very 80s Jersey boys who don't want to listen to his preaching. And then he gets led into a funhouse by a very beautiful 80s girl. The leader of his Jehovah's Witness enclave says to them, you're about to enter the whore's den. And I was like, that seems strong. And then this lady was like, do you want to go into this hall of mirrors and have intercourse? And I was like, oh my god, it really is the whore's den. She undresses him and he's into it, even though he's supposed to be a a good boy. 
and she gets him totally naked and then runs off with his clothes. Womp womp. Which, you know, at that point, well, damn, you're in deep shit. Uh, you're totally naked. It's going to be hard to explain this to your pastor and, and your other uh, witnesses. But luckily, just then, all of Hoboken, New Jersey is destroyed by the psychic shockwave of Adrian Veidt's killer squid teleporting into New York City. So he was saved by the squid. We got to see the squid, James. Yeah, the squid looked great. It, did not, it didn't look exactly the same as that it did in the comic, but it looked awesome. This episode is a lot of fan service. Because the moment that we see the squid, I was like, I can't believe we're seeing the squid. Also, this scene is the first time Careless Whispers plays the song Careless Whispers. It's going to play a lot more during this episode. This is the actual song, Careless Whispers. And then from here on out, they're just doing different covers of the same song. It's so stupidly good. I wanted to say cool and good. It's cool and good. Flashback to 2018 and the... uh, Seems like the New York City Tourism Board is trying to run an ad to get people to move back to New York City. The main focus, the thrust of the ad being, hey, we haven't had a psychic squid in years, but we still got a pretty nice city. Please come back. We got Italian food. You know what I like to do with squid now? I like to eat it, not be psychically murdered by it. So, you know, just come on back to NYC. The big apple, not the big squid. (laughs) And then Looking Glass is like, yeah, they all said, because Looking Glass is there, this is a focus group and his you know, fake job is to be part of the group of people who look at the focus group and see if they're telling the truth. And he's like, they're all not telling the truth. Yeah, They're all scared shitless. I think the term is industrial psychologist. Oh, that was my major for like five days once. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I went through like six majors in college. We can get to it. We could talk about that later if you want. (laughs) Then at Tulsa PD headquarters, Lori is just chewing out the cops saying that they basically come up with nothing. They can't find any of the people involved in the uh, attack on the officer or Judd's murder, but maybe they can find the church from the propaganda video. Lori Blake has taken over everything. Right. She's running the show. She says, find the church. Red Scare is eating a sandwich with the lettuce from the truck. Now, I believe this is just to remind the audience that the lettuce exists for a later scene, but also, it's hilarious that Looking Glass is like, where did you get that lettuce from? And he's like, I don't know. Are you eating the lettuce that is part of an active investigation? And he's like, yeah, it's crunchy. It's good. Yeah, it seems like Looking Glass is one of the more competent detectives, and from what we've seen of Red Scare, he seems like kind of just like a big dumb brute. I hope he surprises us with an amount of intelligence that surpasses all of our expectations. Angela comes over, asks Looking Glass about the pills, what his ex has said about the pills, and he's like, she hasn't gotten back to me yet, and I'm not going to push her on it because she's doing me a favor, and you don't push on people who do you favors. Lori calls Wade into her office, and apparently she has bugged his desk and heard the exchange he just had with Angela about the pills, and he won't let anything on. And we also find out that the the mirrors in the Hall of Mirrors probably saved his life from the psychic effects of the squid. And that is also why he wears the mirrored mask that makes him looking glass. So apparently, psychic waves, like the negative energy in feng shui, can be repelled by mirrors. 
Oh, that's fun. Interior decorating and squid defense. It's a double whammy. She knows that he was in New Jersey on 11-2. She also, you know, she said that people who were in the psychic blast zone still wake up screaming. Like you said, Looking Glass literally wears a tinfoil hat. Like people who think aliens are going to come wear tinfoil on their heads. He does that exactly. His mask is this to, supposed to be basically tinfoil over his head. He is a tinfoil hat man. And she also knows that market research is his cover. And as you said, bugged his cactus that is on his desk. She knows everything about everybody, you know, except for what the pills do. At home, he's watching the latest episode of American Hero Story. Uh, in particular, a sex scene between Hooded Justice and Captain Metropolis, who, if they had some kind of relationship, this is the first we're hearing about it in the Watchmen canon. The comedian did insinuate that he thought Hooded Justice was gay, uh, maybe at least like as an insult, but apparently American Hero Story thinks that th- there was a thing there between these two guys. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, it came out of nowhere. Also... Is Angela's grandfather hooded justice? At this point, we think he might be. And if he is, I wonder if he got to see this and what his feelings are on the subject, if this was a falsehood or if it wasn't. Looking Glass is inside of his house, not his underground shelter that he also has. He is calling EDS, which is Extra Dimensional Security, a place that sells alarm systems specific for squid attacks. He has obviously been traumatized by being there on 11-2. I would be too if I walked out of a hall of mirrors and saw the majority of people dead on the ground. And he has an alarm system that is, at this moment, not working. So that's stressful to him because, you know, he's deathly afraid of extra-dimensional giant squids. He visits his ex-wife at her cloning lab where they clone pets. Let me ask you, Ryan, would you ever pay to clone your beloved pet? Because this technology already exists. It's just insanely expensive. I, God, what a question. Yeah, probably. Like if I had a 12, 13, 14-year-old dog who I love to death and I had the money and it was like, do you want to get a puppy? Do I start over new? Or just like, you know, get a puppy of the dog you already have. I might be like, Sure. I mean, sure. People perhaps will say that it's anti... What is it? A crime against God. Sure, sure. But I don't know how beholden I am to God and the crimes in which I don't understand perhaps would offend him. So yeah, make me another dog. But also... If they would gonna like like in this scene where the lady makes a dog and one of them is smaller than the others, and then she just like straight up puts it in an oven, right? I don't think where the, the place that she put that dog, I don't think it goes to like a farm in Maine, James. Yeah, that was brutal. That was, that was just like a a throwaway sequence. Like, oh yeah, this dog's not perfect. Do you want it? No. Okay, I'll just incinerate it. Just awful. She then tells Looking Glass that the pills are called nostalgia. These pills have been outlawed. In the pills are memories, and they can also cause psychosis. I don't think these pills have a basis in the comic. Maybe I'm wrong about that. It feels like I could be wrong. If you're a Watchmen comic super fan and you know this, please tweet at us. I think the nostalgia pills are new to this story. They seem like a plot device to allow for 
flashbacks and based on next week's episode the next week on it seems like it's going to be one long flashback that angela has because she took all of them all at once which i'm getting ahead of myself but yeah if it's not in the comics it's just a plot device and it reminds me of the steven spielberg tom cruise film minority report where i think he more or less does the same drug where it just like makes you experience your memories as if they're happening again also a plot device in that movie. We get to see the support group that he runs. I guess this is something he does, you know, for charity. You, you got to put up a good front when you're secretly a police officer. He runs a support group for people who live in fear of interdimensional attacks. And people are sharing their stories and their experiences. Someone offhandedly remarks, like, I don't want to be one of those wackos with a mirror in my hat. And, you know looking glass shifts uncomfortably <laughs> yeah i felt so bad for him because he is that guy and also he's like pretending that he's fine he's pretending that he's the strong one running the group but he is obviously scared out of his mind and oh, i don't know it's a tragic tragic backstory a backstory given to a person who might die soon it's one of those he ends up meeting with one of the new members of the group beautiful woman about his age who they go on a date to talk about their squid psychoses and they discuss the steven spielberg film a pale horse which is i guess the black and white movie that he made instead of schindler's list actually amazing death comes on a pale horse and steven spielberg i wonder how many films are based off of the squid in this world you know at one point she smokes a cigarette and we find out that those are actually illegal in redford's america Yep, you can't have cigarettes, but what you can have is another cover of Careless Whispers. She gets picked up by her quote-unquote friend, and as the truck is pulling away from the bar, wouldn't you know it, a head of lettuce rolls out of the truck and Looking Glass freaks out. He calls in to see if the truck had been found, finds out that it hadn't been found, and then goes off to follow the truck. Even as it happened, though, I was like, that seems convenient. He's drunk, though, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. They were both hitting on each other. He mentioned to her that she wasn't the first two jobs that she said, but is a radiologist. The third thing she said, because she he knows how to tell lies, which is interesting because his basis on his entire life is one big lie. He follows them to an abandoned department store and sees them enter wearing Rorschach masks. He calls in for backup, follows them in there, and he sees them throwing basketballs into a Adrian Veidt teleportation device. He calls in for backup, and then as he goes in, a basketball just drops out of nowhere. He finds the set that was used as the church, so all the police people are looking for actual churches when it just so happens to be a set in a, an abandoned building. And as he sees the Rorschach mask-laden human beings putting basketballs through a portal, he goes at them with a gun and is like, hey, everyone put your hands up. Stop chest passing those basketballs through a gosh dang portal, please. He gets snuck up from behind and he tries to fire to protect himself, but his bullets are blank. Uh, all of this has been a setup. They even hijacked his radio frequency so that he wasn't really contacting anyone. And they've just totally caught him and there's nowhere he can go. The TikTok sound is happening throughout all of this. 
He gets taken away. His hat falls off. And I was like, oh, no. Give him back his hat. Be nice and give him his hat. He likes his hat. We find out in this scene a, just a ton of things. Keen is there. He declares himself to be the leader of the 7th Cavalry, along with Judd, who was another leader. Everyone knew it, right? Like, the, And he says he's doing it for reasons that are not evil ones, right? He's like, no, we run it so we can keep tabs on it. Isn't that a great plan? And I was like, I just think you're evil. I think you're an evil bro. Yeah, his excuse is that they took it over after the White Knight to prevent something like that from ever happening again. And Looking Glass asks him, like, are you going to open up... Are you teleporting things because you want to open up another portal to drop a squid on Tulsa? And Keen laughs that off as like, no, why would we do that again? (laughs) We're not going for the tried and true squid. We're looking to bigger and better things. Also, this speaks to... Keen claims that Judd and him joined post-White Knight. But if a online theory is correct, my favorite theory about the show, about Judd entering Angela's home after she almost gets shot, and for some reason being near there, and maybe wasn't shot himself, I think we're going to be able to see that night in this next episode if she does any flashbacks. But it would speak to Judd not joining post-White Knight and actually, you know, telling them his subjects to make the White Knight happen. So we'll have to see if Keen is telling the truth there. Keen thinks that he can turn Wade over to the 7th Cavalry by playing a video for him, which he says will also free him from his fear. Wade does very eagerly start playing the video, which is of a 1985 younger Adrian Veidt, a message that he had recorded for future president Robert Redford. He had predicted all the way back in 1985 that he would be elected 10 years later, in which he explains the entire squid conspiracy, and he takes credit for the squid falls as well. And he's saying, together with the fear that I have to control the world and your vision of a better tomorrow, basically we can make the world into a utopia. He's bragging, right? Like, he's proud of his master plan, so he's bragging to the future president that in eight years from the time in which he recorded this, was going to be president. So Adrian Veidt wrote history, he wrote this episode, Adrian Veidt wrote everything. I mean, it said that Damon Lindelof and Carly Rae wrote this episode, but not really. Adrian Veidt wrote it. I'm going to say I wasn't so happy with this. Like, I know they want to keep it as Jeremy Irons because he's really killing the performance, but he did not look young enough to be Ozymandias from the comic book in that video. He did not even look 35 years younger than he does in the current show. He just looked like a very old man with a blonde dye job. Right. It was just it was just Jeremy Irons without, like, no CGI was used, right? And we know that that is available, there's that movie out right now where Will Smith is a younger version or another version of himself. They can make actors younger versions of themselves with enough money these days. And they were like, mm, whatever, just just put him in a chair and have a hairdresser look at Jeremy Irons for like an hour. Boom, 1985. Also, voices age. This is something that I, you know, I noticed in Incredibles 2. That, yeah, you can have the movies take a day, take place a day after the first movie, but if it's 20 years later, people sound older. And 
Jeremy Irons in Watchmen sounds nothing like Jeremy Irons in The Lion King. He sounds like Paul Newman. He's like, I'm Adrian White, goddammit. Like, he sounds so old. <laughs> and then we port to Adrian White's storyline, where he's talking exactly the same, and basically looks exactly the same. You know, minus having a buffalo-infused spacesuit on. This time they catapult him into the sky... And he exits this kind of illusionary force field and appears to be standing on the surface of one of the moons of Jupiter. And Jupiter has about 80 moons that actually varies. I guess, I guess some of the smaller ones come and go. But yeah, he's on one of the moons of Jupiter. He's on Europa, okay. apparently. And he <laughs> gets up after he kind of floats down onto the moon Europa is the moon on Jupiter that people talk about as maybe the better place for human existence when we leave Earth after Mars. Like, it might even be better version than Mars, although it would be pretty cold. And he's up there, and he's piling up dead Phillipses and dead Crookshanks to write something out and wait for a satellite to come by. As the satellite does come by, it reads what he wrote. Yeah, he wrote, save me. What else are you going to write with dead bodies? You know what I'm talking about? And uh, as that occurs, he gets pulled back into his prison. The game warden appears, and he's very angry that, you know, we already had a stern talking to, and you still kept trying to escape. And so he kicks him into unconsciousness. The game warden is told that his god has abandoned him, which he, you know, believes he takes in stride honestly, and they claim that, you know, there is no mercy as he kicks Adrian Veidt in the head, and then that transitions to Mercy Perfume. Do we know who plays the game warden? So, I, I, I think it's just another Mr. Phillips. Okay. So, that guy. Yeah, Wade's life is totally falling apart. He's lost his passion for his focus group psychology job. He goes into the police station. Angela comes to see what he's got to say about the pills. And he tells her, and then he asks her for more information, and she just spills everything into the microphone Lori's put on the desk. So Keen has asked Looking Glass to get Angela to turn. He knows that the cactus mic is there. He knows Lori Blake is going to hear it if he gets her to talk. So he does that. Because he feels like he has nothing else to lose right now. His entire life was based off of a lie. So he's like, whatever, man. I mean, I was almost killed by a psychic blast by a dude who's on a moon right now. I don't know that to be true. We think he's dead. But, like, what is my life? So who really cares? Careless Whisper happening again. And Panda, as we enter this scene, says, so Hooded Justice is Dr. Manhattan? Like, he's coming up with theories for the show American Heroes, like the audience of Watchmen is coming up with theories. Like, Damon Lindelof called ahead of time that we'd be, like, clamoring over theories. And Red Scare's like, no, Hooded Justice is from 40s, and Dr. Manhattan is appearing in 60s. Also, it's weird to me that they would be having this discussion at all because like, maybe maybe people think it's a conspiracy theory or something, but people knew that Dr. Manhattan was, was John Osterman. Right, that was just like historical fact. Right. It, was in, it was in newspapers and stuff. 
Anyway, Lori has no chill about this. I thought she was going to play it, like, you know, sly, but she just comes out of the office immediately with a pistol trained on Angela and is like, you're under arrest for covering up a murder. Angela fights a few people off, but can't overpower everyone. And then she takes all of the pills. And I don't think i mean her taking all the pills is a the the pills themselves are a plot device so her taking all of them is another plot device so that the next episode can just be all flashbacks but in any case when you have a bottle full of pills no matter what those pills are pro uh, pro tip don't take them all (laughs) james james he he looking glass goes home he leaves his hat in his car his beloved hat. Right. Nobody has to fear another psychic squid attack. It took Adrian Veidt years and years to bioengineer the killer psychic squid, and then years and years to develop the technology to teleport it. So I don't think anyone's got to worry about that anymore, and so he knows that now. Well, what's Lady True doing, though? Is Lady True doing another kind of vitey thing? Because... He might have to worry about something. She's not doing nothing over there in that giant clock. It seems more like the 7th Cavalry is going to steal Adrian Veidt's plan. Like, they're going to teleport maybe a lithium bomb, I don't know, into the White House or something. I have no idea. Looking Glass, while this is all occurring, throws out his extra-dimensional security system. A security system that probably would have been useful for what's about to happen. Yeah, he, well, you know, he goes to throw it away and then seems to reconsider. But then the moment he enters his house with the box, van full of 7th Cavalry armed with shotgun shows up and walks into his house. And that's where we get the cliffhanger. And it's not looking good for Looking Glass. And I don't think he's like a kung fu master like Angela. I don't necessarily see that he's going to get out of this one. He was not in the preview for the next episode. I mean, no, but the the preview for the... I think the next episode is very Angela-based and very 1920s-based. But, yeah, it feels like Timothy Blake Nelson's Looking Glass has served his purpose. He had an entire episode to himself having an A storyline. Right, and when and now he's outlived his usefulness to Keen. He did exactly what Keen wanted, and he's a liability because he's got this, you know, top-secret information. It's better to just do away with him. Oh, man, Keen's evil? No way. Yeah, anyway, there are four of them with shotguns, and guns are, like tobacco, outlawed. So if I had to put money on it, I would say Looking Glass is going to die, but I don't think it will be next episode. I think it will be two episodes from now. Or he has to be saved by something. Some duex machina thing has to occur in this situation. Cal, where are you, Cal? Right, exactly. Cal becomes Dr. Manhattan when the three-day-later plan by uh, William and Lady True occur. And uh, again, I don't know if you guys know this. If you're just joining us, the theory on the internet is that Angela's husband, Cal, is Dr. Manhattan. He was the one who stopped the uh, Rorschach-wearing 7th Cavalry who was about to shoot Angela in the face on the night of the White Knight. So I want it to come true very badly. Uh, I don't know if it will. I mean, we actually really haven't gotten to theories coming true yet, right? We're five episodes in. We have four more to go. And one of the episodes in the future is like a god enters a bar or walks into a bar. 
So we're going to get, I can't wait to see Dr. Manhattan. I'm going a lot of places with this sentence. The sentence has uh, like a pinball bounced back and forth. But I really want to see Dr. Manhattan. See what he looks like. Probably blue, right? <laughs> I mean, if we're going to be following the arc of, of the Watchmen comics, then it's going to be very ponderous and mysterious until it culminates in a batshit insane ending, basically. And we have four episodes to go. It feels like none of them are going to be filler episodes. Next episode seems to be, if you had to like pick one that might be filler, it would be that. But it's almost definitely not going to be. There was This episode itself was dense in two things. Three things, in fact. Fan service, new information, and careless whisper. So we have some ratings news. Ryan sent me this article after episode three aired. I haven't been able to find an, an updated version of it, though. Yeah, because on the on a previous episode of the Watchmen podcast, you were like, it has to be doing well. And, I, and then I went to go Google it. I was like, oh, no. Uh, so I'll just read it for you. This is from comic book news, comic book dot news. Watchmen ratings drop again. Sheds over 100,000 viewers for week three. For its third straight week, HBO's Watchmen continues to drop in ratings and lose massive amounts of viewers, this time over 100,000 fans choosing not to turn in. What is notable about week three is that the 100,000k loss is for live viewership. The numbers have crossed all HBO platforms have yet to come in, and so the drop could be even more significant. Or, or, it could be even higher, because everybody's watching it online. Something that Watchmen is contending with that Game of Thrones rarely did is Sunday Night Football. They're happening simultaneously, and Sunday Night Football always gets 15 to 20 million. I'm probably inflating that number, but a lot, right? It gets a lot, and Watchmen is going up against it, so that could be a part of it. But you could even see with like the views or listens to our podcast, right? People trail off. The people, uh, most people watch the first one and then the diehard stay on. And hopefully this is a series that in perpetuity becomes more popular as people rewatch it when it's over. But yeah, I would assume that ratings went down again and uh, it's not supposed to have a second season. It's a mini series, so it's not fighting for anything specific. This is only one idea, one show, one story. So no matter what the ratings are, it's already made, and I would say this is, every new episode is like the best episode that has come out so far. So uh, for the people watching it, we get to be entertained by something really cool and really well thought out, but it is sad that more people aren't tuning in. Yeah, regarding why fans are tuning out, the article continues. The Damon Lindelof created HBO show is nothing like the popular comic book or the Zack Snyder movie. Uh, disagree, disagree. All right, I'm going to keep going. Which has upset a lot of fans. As HBO's Watchmen continues Hollywood's politically correct agenda, which has been failing big time. That's That seems like some unnecessary editorializing right there. Yeah, that feels like it's in your opinion, man. Um, I think it is similar to the comic book. I don't think it's similar to the movie. I don't think there's necessarily a huge market for a sequel to the movie. Only diehard fans seem to really like the Zack Snyder film. And even the diehard fans like me and like people I know who like it recognize that it's like, you know, a flawed kind of campy movie. Diehard fans like it because anytime Watchmen is on a screen, they're into it, right? Like they like the story. 
And any any time the story is in any form that it's in, they're down to clown on it. I am reading on Reddit right now, a lot of people saying this is the best episode of television I've ever seen. I mean, the best episode of Westworld, in my opinion, is Kixia, written by Carly Rae. This episode of Watchmen is amazing, also written by Carly Rae. I have a a friend who let's you know politely describe as red pilled who also refuses to watch the show because he's been he's heard not seen the show but he's heard that it's got an SJW agenda which I really think it doesn't like I think what the show is clearly showing is that like yeah under the decades of hard right wing rule of Richard Nixon now the pendulum has swung back really far in the other direction which you know, manifest itself in some positive ways like like reparations, but then also in some like weird, maybe negative ways. Like before watching a TV show, you got to watch a two-minute content warning. Tobacco has been totally outlawed. Cops can't use their guns against dangerous terrorists unless they get permission from an outside bureaucracy. So I think the people who are complaining that it's SJW propaganda, like first of all, that's just a stupid thing to say in general. And then also, like, you you aren't, you probably haven't seen more than episode one. You haven't really understood the nuance of the political message they're going for. And I assume, and maybe this is me being a dick, a lot of people are just like, oh, the main character is a black woman. This is a liberal agenda, forced diversity. Maybe, maybe I'm off the mark. If you're red-pilled, and for some reason you're listening to this and you like Watchmen, uh, send in your thoughts. Can you define red pill for the audience? God, I don't know if I should. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Well, then let's 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 move on. Let's well, move on. So, well, so no, so I want to I, I want to read you some of the the IMDb reviews that are that are quoted in this article. Just to, just a okay. selection. Okay. All right. I've never read the comic book, but I really enjoyed the Zack Snyder film. I came to the show expecting a telling of the Watchmen story, not a product that is shamelessly cashing in on its name. This is not Watchmen. That's from Rotten Tomatoes. It is Watchmen. It, the, it's called Watchmen. Read the comics. It is, in <laughs> fact. Yeah, re, yeah. I. God, this is... Uh, you use the word stupid, and I think it's an apt description. If you don't... This is the thing. I don't understand people. It's just to complain, because they like complaining. Complaining is their favorite mode. They wake up in the morning. They turn the dial from sleep to complaining. They go throughout their entire day, complain about everything that they see, hear, or know. And then when they go back to sleep, they turn the dial back from complaining to sleep. I don't care what those people's opinions are. Like, this is entertainment. If you're not entertained by it, then don't watch it. Also, I don't care about your feelings. And the thing is, like, if if you're gonna if you're gonna write off any 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 piece of pop culture media that you think was what produced by liberals or or is quote unquote woke, then what is left? What is left to watch? Yeah, don't go to Los Angeles. It's a town full of liberals who are making movies. Also, uh, I'm sure there are. I'm not getting into this. This I'm I, I'm gonna take a sidetrack. Right, okay, one, one, one one more thing. One more thing. All right. Oh, thank Christ. Uh, this is an IMD review. Excruciatingly slow. And then sometimes super fast. So fast information comes at you like rapid fire. Well, keep up, buddy. The music was awful. Disagree. Come on. Disagree. <laughs> Hard disagree. Okay, this, I, I don't care about this person anymore. If you are here to complain about Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, 
you can shove it up your butt. And that is a technical term for what I believe you should do. Take your opinion that I don't care about, shove it up your butt. Also, by the way, I don't know if I can be critical of people with harsh opinions. We are literally hosting a podcast where all we do is spout opinions. Can I be critical of dumb ones? That I And by the way, perceived dumb from me, like I'm biased towards these opinions. I think they're dumb. Other people might not think. Oh, wow. I'm in a, I'm in a real rat trap at the moment. Come back to me. Uh, the same guy goes on. There's a lot of ugly hatred in the world. I can watch that on YouTube. I watch comic book inspired shows because they are over the top fantasies with over the top bad guys and an escape. When I want to watch an uncomfortable triest on hatred, I watch the news. For the record, I am a left centrist and cannot stand oh, Trump. Oh, 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 sorry. Wait, I'll be back in 15 minutes after I barf my brains. A left centrist? A left centrist? Right, so yeah, the, the, you had the to Mayor tell us Pete that? crowd doesn't like uh, Watchmen because it's too political. And then also Trump Nation doesn't like Watchmen because uh, it's SJW propaganda. So, uh, yeah, so everybody's got a reason not to like it politically, apparently. What uh, uh, we knew that from episode one, when the Seventh Cavalry was basically put up against the KKK, and we we're like, "Oh, the, yeah, like this it, this show isn't pulling any punches. A lot of people aren't going to like it." But I would argue that the ratings aren't are more affected by gladiators on Sunday night than the Red Pill crowd being like, "No, thank you." Also, your voice during that. I want, I'm going to replay your voice. I like your, your hoity-toity, too good for this voice. The thing is, like, the people like, well, like this, like, you know, centrist leftist over here or the right-wing dude in the other review. It's like these, these you know, this smooth-brained babies who can't take any kind of political content in their fiction. They're like, oh, no, it's challenging my thoughts about third rail issues like race and inequality in America. I'd, I come to this just to, to turn my brain off and mindlessly watch something where I don't have to think about anything. It's just, it's, it's baby talk to me. Get over it. Who, get, get over it. Get over it, dude. Who cares? We saw the squid. These, these are the same people who probably watch Game of Thrones and they're just like, oh, it's a sweet fucking show about dragons and tits, man. There's nothing going on under the surface. I can just enjoy it for that. Yeah, until the final season where you just, it became tougher to enjoy it. It, 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 it still had drag. Actually, no, to be fair, that crowd is like, the dragon murdered everybody. <laughs> That's why I like uh, my non-political fiction uh, with no deeper meanings. You know, like Moby Dick is just a straightforward story of a man killing a whale. Nothing else to read into. Peppa Pig is just a story about a pig trying to get by. Animal Farm? That's just a wacky story of animals taking over a farm. Sentient animals who can talk and has nothing to do with any politicized movement. And, uh, gosh. Alright, that's that's enough griping. We've, we've probably alienated half of our fans. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I... We griped so hard, dude. Oh, that hurt. A lot of that hurt me. <laughs> like in my bones. We got a tweet. Edwin at EdDweezy1 said, James watches men. You guys are fucking rock stars. I went back and rewatched the White Knight scene to see how I felt about 
That Dr. Manhattan equals cow theory, and now I have a tinfoil hat on every time I see him. Thank you for your stellar research. Thank you for tweeting in. And yeah, Ryan, thanks for your stellar research. If by stellar research you mean I read the Reddit post of the post-episode discussion, then you are very welcome. Uh, and I, because when, Although when I did read it, I was like, where is my tin hat? I gotta put that goddamn hat on because I love this so much. I want it to be true so badly. Rock stars, we're rock stars, James. Do you think rock stars spend ten minutes griping the way we just did? <laughs> I mean, they probably do. We got other tweets. Yeah, they do. Jason Drisco at Jad Drisco says, "What the fuck? No shout out for this longtime loyal patron, aka Major Woody. Everyone but me, huh? Angry emoji. That's on Ryan. I don't read the patron names." <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? You have been you have been on a throwing Ryan under the bus th- way recently. Yeah, I've been passing the but, buck pretty hard. Yeah, and I don't have enough bucks. I can't buy a chocolate bar with the amount of bucks I got. Okay, Major Woody, I apologize. I did not read your name. You have been around forever, and I love you. He goes on to say, I absolutely want to hear you guys break down. His Dark Materials, what kind of HBO boys would you be without covering this promising series? Hashtag Golden Compass sucked. You know what? If it's Major Woody telling us to do it, I think that's a good enough reason to just do it. I mean, we forgot his name. At this point, we owe him an amount that can never be, can never be. Like, Major Woody's pretty much paying to keep this podcast on the internet, so. And, ah, but I will say, I've said it in the past. I've tried to watch the pilot of His Dark Materials twice, and I have fallen asleep, and perhaps I have just not given it its due, but uh, I will try it. Third time's a charm. You know what, Major Woody? You got it, buddy. We're going to give it a shot. You got it, bud. Uh, We will do the pilot episode and then see where we go from there, okay? Okay? Once Watchmen's over. Yeah. I'm not trying to be aggressive. I don't know why I'm being aggressive about... Mostly because the last time I watched it, I was like, Oh my god, the tiger is talking. Make the tiger's face better when it talks. If you're just listening, it means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, please follow us on Twitter at WestworldRyan at JamesWatchesMen. Or you can subscribe to us on the iTunes podcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play... Um, really want to go the extra mile, you could leave us reviews on any of those apps. Five stars only, please. And if you really want to be a champion <laughs> like Major Woody, it costs money to host this audio. Ryan and I don't look for ad sponsorship because we are podcast hobbyists and we're just doing this for the love of the game and for the love of you. So you could help underwrite the show by uh, hitting us up on Patreon. I think we're the Westworld podcast on Patreon, right? That's correct. Also, if you do want to, you know, put an ad on this podcast, if you want to sponsor us, don't don't take James's words as <laughs> for you. We're fine with that. We're fine with that. And yeah, we want to take some time to thank our lovely patrons, not just Major Woody, but all of them. Yeah, we got Major Woody, who now gets top billing from now on. <laughs> and we're going to say him first. We got Craig. We got Bacaman, we got Lee, and John Jurs. So extra special thanks to those guys. Please join us here next week when we recap and review episode six of the HBO Watchmen series entitled This Extraordinary Being, directed by Stephen Williams and co-written by Damon Lindelof and Cord Jefferson. I'm James. Before we go, my favorite Reddit comment 
of the week was, oh, no, girl, that's too many memories. <laughs> yeah, you got OD on memories. Oh, man, she got a case of the memes. Anyway, say that you're James. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this has been the Watchmen Podcast. Beautiful.